So the end of the road, Jeff Merrick, for one. Daniel, uh, uh, quotation marks, Danny, end quotation mm. marks, Briere. Too bad. Although on the bonus side, um, can't you see this guy transitioning to television like that? Like he's well, one of the most really... charming and eloquent. Like we'll, we'll get to the hockey stuff, I'm sure, and talk and probably gush. Like you and I are on the same page about Daniel Briere. Talk plenty about his hockey career, but don't I mean every interview that you've ever seen him, and every time you've I don't know if you've ever spoken to him before or interviewed him before on on radio or television, the guy's charming as hell and thoughtful as well, and he still looks like he plays you know minor midget hockey. <laughs> Go yeah, back. So he, he's gonna probably I would I would imagine he ends up in French speaking media first off because they always need think so. Cur- yeah, they need, yeah. they need a charisma. I mean, they need a charisma infusion. Uh, French French language French language media for those who don't know. Uh, not not exactly. I get a chill every time they walk by me when I'm at like an NHL event. I just get ch- chills because charisma is so not sweet. Like, <laughs> I know it's yeah, true, not, man. Not it's like, not like not like know. chills like oh my god, it's oh I've I've, sh- I've shook the hand of Mary Lemieux. That kind of chills. No, I get like like icy, icy frozy chills. <laughs> like it's really it's, they, from French yeah, media. They could use, they could use some charisma, and I think Briere's got it. The the real key. Whoa, to whoa, 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 whoa! Hang on, hang on. Have, have have you seen Jose Theodore on TVA? He's really good. He's real oh, good. He's good. I I I, sure. I know what you're talking about. Sort of sort of by by and large, um, and they can really take it seriously. I mean, that show Lanti Chambre is on what like every day for at least for an hour, I think. It's a a, a daily Montreal Canadiens talk show on on television. Uh, and it's a roundtable of like 18 million people. Like they do take it really seriously, and I get that. Um, and hockey's like mostly, religion there. But there are a lot of yeah. guys that aren't like that. Yeah. There are a lot of guys that I'm can most, smile, mm-hmm. can have a good time. I'm mostly, I'm mostly talking about the guys that are like, oh, Montreal has lost two in a row. Ha ha ha! Trade Subban. It is all his fault. That, Every market's like that. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with Toronto talk radio? If <laughs> you listen, you listen to college shows after Leafs get blown out. Like remember last year, Leafs got dinged by Nashville. It was the final score like nine two. Like it was like the, the like one of the low spots, maybe the lowest spot of the season last year. And just for torture, as I was driving home from Sportsnet, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna bounce back and forth between the two stations who are doing call in, and actually three because 6:40 still does it with Andy Frost. Just mm-hmm. to hear the level of hyperbole and what mm-hmm. should be done, and it was staggering. Right. So that's not it's it not exclu- it's not exclusive it's not exclusive to to Montreal. But I I do get what you're saying. But I I think I think it's changing, I really do, because there's a lot of old hardened cynical broadcasters that I think are starting to phase out for a more friendlier and charismatic vibe. But I don't disagree. I, I think Briere. But don't you think Briere works in 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 both English and French? Hockey media, I certainly he do. does. The key, the key to his post-playing days media career, obviously, is the availability of a booster seat or a stack of phone wow. books. Wow, short jokes <laughs> already. It's wrong. He's wow. a very slight already. man. He's tiny. He's a tiny here's man. Here's the in, here's the thing about Daniel. Uh, we haven't even talked about the hockey, but here's the thing about Daniel Breer and, and media. And I think this guy can like, nail it right away. Um, the thing about Briere and media is that it's very rare in hockey, although other sports do it, football, basketball come to mind certainly right away. You don't get elite level former players going to do television. No. You don't do that. Like, you're not going to get Scott Niedermeyer to go do television. 
Not that he would be great for it. Okay, Chris Pronger's a better example. Pronger would kill it on television. Pronger right. would dominate if he went, true or false wish, if Chris Pronger went to do hockey media, whether it was with us or NBC, TSN, whomever, he would kill it. He would crush yeah. it. You say to yourself, up, oh, that's the next big hockey personality. But skill guys he would don't. Be, skill guys, like skill guys more, have something oh, else to do, and they they, he'd be like listen, a, they don't need a, the money. More caustic boomer Esiason. But your point is taken that in football, all the ex-quarterbacks and all the star players yep. migrate to television, but they don't do so in hockey. And that is a weird thing. You're right. It's very weird. Now, um, by the way, the audio is a little bit weird right now, I think, for some people. But I'm sure Dylan's on it. I'm just getting tweets about it. But anyway, um, so, yeah, the, the thing about elite-level athletes in other sports is – and correct me if I'm wrong, because, again, as I've said on this podcast countless times, I'm not really much of a sports guy. I don't follow any other sport as close as, I, as, close as hockey. I think that's pretty clear by now. Um, don't the other guys sort of use that as a launching pad for other things that is, as lo- in their mind, and rightfully so, as long as they're on television, they're relevant, and they're in they're people's eyes, yeah. and, and, and that leads to other things? Like, they understand, like, listen, man, you know, I rocked, like, you know, $20 million a year playing this sport. And I'm going to take a severe haircut to do television, but this can lead to something else. And it is one small little piece of my business. Whereas hockey players really kind of don't see it that way. Like they, I mean, how many guys really use television as a launching pad for something else? You know who does it better than anybody else? Don Cherry. Like there's a great story out there to be written about Don Cherry Inc. And what, you know, that Coach's Corner feature every week on Hockey Night does for this huge enterprise that has movies and videos and appearances and commercials, like the business of that person. But how many other hockey guys do that? There's only one. Uh, I believe that Eddie Olchek's post-playing days career has been a steady yeah. climb to become the face of American horse racing. Horse <laughs> he racing. Started out, yeah, but, he started dude, out with the Blackhawks the, oh, the as the local that, guy. Though. Yeah, yeah, and then he went to the national thing, and he did it in NBC, and, and then NBC had the rights to the, the to the Triple Crown, and he's like, yeah, hey, uh, "Hey, I'm not doing anything. Why not put me on the Freakness?" And yeah, I'm pretty uh, and pretty is. good. I'm pretty good on I'm pretty good on television. I've got chops. Sure, why not? Now, all right, listen, let's talk about Briere and his playing. Games. All right, Briere, Briere, Briere. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about Briere, and I want. I want stats and fancy stats and analytics to be able to explain everything to me. I really do. I'm kind of a dummy, and I'd like them to guide me and mold me and shape me and take me by the hand and say, here, dummy, here's why things in hockey happen. I don't know if there's a way to quantify what Danny Briere did in the playoffs until his last run with Montreal where he had seven points in 16 games because before that, he was one of – he I was know. one of 34 players in the history of the National Hockey League to average over a point per game in the playoffs, and he did so with a sample size of well over 100 games. That's insane. For I mean, yeah. like, I, I, there's nothing that can explain to me how this guy, this little peanut, this little little pinball, <laughs> was able to do to, to to enter the pantheon of Gretzky and Mario and Orr and all of them. Yeah, Danny Briere. Danny Briere, I know, I know. And were you one of those people? I mean, Taves ultimately got it. There was a lot of noise for Pronger, but where were you at 
with Daniel Briere and the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2010 in that Philadelphia Chicago series. No, I was I was in the, well, there. There were some that said Briere should have won that thing going away. Yeah, looking back on it, he was he was amazing. I mean, like his, his oh. stat contribution to that team was amazing. Um, had they won, maybe because Pronger didn't mm-hmm. have the best final. But it's hard to it's really hard to think that the media wasn't going to just hand it to Pronger one because of what he did in the previous three rounds and two because of all the all the material he gave the media. I mean, it is the sort darling. Of a quid, I know. I know. A pr- pr- quid pro quo there, my friend. When Pronger yeah, look, steals guys. a puck and 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 fills fills news <laughs> for two days, you know. Yep. I know. I get you. I get you. I know. He made it easy for everyone to to get to bed early. Okay, story's written. Chris has done something. That's great. Don't have to hunt for a story. <laughs> Our work here is done. Uh, but there there were a lot of people that uh, that made a lot of noise in 2010. Um, the noise that I made in 2010 was about Duncan Keith. I thought that he should have won it that, that season. But there were a lot of people that said that that should have been Daniel Briere's, even in the in the losing cause, above above and beyond what Chris Pronger did. But he was, you know, he was, he was, right. hang on, was, was he the, was he the one guy? I mean, we, we saw players that had sort of the, you know, the flash in the pan and Jonathan Chichu comes to mind. But was he the one player beca- for you, because he was for me, that completely represented the new game of hockey coming out of 204, 205 lockout? When they talked about premium on skill, room for the smaller player, who was the one guy? that came relatively out of nowhere and really distinguished himself as an elite-level force offensively in the NHL, who before the lockout really wasn't considered that guy. Well, It seems as if the, the, the game opened up and a, and a lot of players uh, you know, excelled, some for a short amount of time, but the wick on his candle was long, like coming out of 0405. He sustained it. I mean, you had these flashes of, of, of offensive dominance from Chichu. You had, I think, the was the Gianta year after the lockout, his big goal-scoring year for the Devils, or was that before the lockout? I can't remember which one it was. Um, but you had other guys that kind of took advantage of the rules as well. Um, and But but you're right. I mean, Briere was the guy to sustain it. The other thing about Briere that, that I want to mention before we uh, get to a round of our first guest today is I, very few players, I think, in this league have had the – um, very public show of emotions, or sort of the rip your heart, your, your shirt open, expose your heart kind of things in his life that Briere has, has had. Um, and by that oh, yeah. I mean, like you know, That's leaving true. Buffalo was, was wasn't just a, a, a player transaction; it was a really emotional thing for the guy. Maybe not on a Ryan Smith Edmonton level, but still a really emotional thing for the guy because wherever he went, he didn't just go and join the team; he joined the community. It was the same thing in Philly as well. And when he, you know, eventually got bought out by the Flyers, it was the same sort of thing. But I mean, his his the death of his mother was a very public thing. His divorce was a very, very, very public thing because Pat Coletta decided to use it as chirp fodder. And then, yep. you know, his living situation was he, – he allowed cameras into his home on 24-7 because Claude Giroux was basically the cool uncle to his kids. Um, <laughs> there aren't a lot of guys in this league that, 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 let, that expose you know, themselves and, and scratch away at scabs the way that Briere did. And I was always really impressed by that. You know what else? Uh, what else you should throw on that that long list of you know reasons to love Daniel Briere? You know the guy that was <clears throat> that was you know um, you know that had you know a lot of disappointment in his career. Uh, when he made the choice when he became a free agent after uh, Buffalo, who you know and this was I guess team philosophy at the time, Darcy Regeer uh, refused to negotiate through the season, cost him Drury, cost him Briere. 
uh, ended up uh, costing him Campbell. Um, remember how viciously he got booed in Montreal for not choosing the Habs? Remember there's all those stories about how Dan, Danny, Bre- Danny Breer is going home. Danny Breer is going to play for the Montreal Canadiens. And when he didn't, yeah. how vicious it was and how he got booed at the Bell Center. Yeah. And then he eventually did him play 12 minutes a night. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine what that feels like to be booed in your hometown. Like, I, yeah. I can understand where if you're a superstar player, you know, like Steven Stamkos, for example, if, you know, he tortures the Maple Leafs one day, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll hear some boos. So there'll be a lot of family and friends who are cheering him on. But I just wonder what that, that. I always wonder what that feels like. That's another one to throw on that list. Well, I think it probably feels unfair. I mean, I think it probably felt unfair to him. I think it probably felt unfair to Vinny, uh, and to a lot of those guys that just because you know, because because Montreal. Let's face it, like Toronto's got a certain amount of that birthright thing going on. Like we saw that when yeah. when Nash was was uh, had one Montre- skate out Mon- Mon- Columbus. Yeah, but not on the not on the Montreal level. I mean, the Montreal level let's, basically uh, is like. It, it's it's a fiefdom. They they believe that they they have they have claim to anyone born within a hundred miles of the city. It's like the old sea form days, and we've got all the French guys. Uh, pause on that conversation. Matt Nicholas standing by, strength and conditioning coach, creator of BioSteel Sports. Uh, the BioSteel camp is happening right now as we speak in Toronto. Matt Nichols joins us on the MVSW podcast. Maddie, how are hey, you today, sir? How's camp? I'm good. How's camp going? It's going. It's going great. It's going great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're Doing good. Well. For those that don't know what the, yeah, what, uh, I mean, everyone pretty much knows what BioSteel is now, but for those that may not be familiar with what the BioSteel camp is, and in your own, uh, in your own words, uh, Maddie, can you give us a nickel and dime tour? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's kind of the, the pre-training camp camp, and it's, uh, you know, it's the, it's the preeminent camp of its type in, in the world really right now for hockey. So we have 40 of the best hockey players in the world here getting ready, uh, before training camp. And, and, you know, there's a group of guys that are here in Toronto training with me all summer. And then we, we, we double that number. We get guys that fly in just to spend a week and kind of get that last final tune up before they head into the home stretch for the NHL season. Hey, Matt, it's Greg. You, you, I, you have such a fascinating journey to this, uh, through the years. Could you take the, the folks through the decision to, to leave uh, NHL training and, and get into the private sector and, and sort of push this product? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, you know, this is a, a passion of mine, uh, you know, strength and conditioning and training athletes for sports. And uh, I did work, uh, you know, as, as a team guy in the NHL, which is great. I love that. And, uh, you know, the I guess, you know, in uh, some people – so, you know, you've never really worked in pro sports until you've been fired, I guess. So I, I experienced that firsthand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I guess I feel uh, you know, I, I'm pretty passionate about what I do, and I have, a, you know, an opinion based on on scientific research on how on how, how we do things with my hockey players. Not, you know, it's not, a, you know, based on my own, uh, you know, my, my own history as a player or, uh, you know, or, or the way that I like to train. It's really I try to do what's best for the guys and make them – Make them the best they can be. So we've, you know, I had the same the same logic applied to creating this product. So it's it's something when I when I when I left uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and began working privately, I had uh, a number of guys from teams around the league and and uh, who were using these products but at the time that, you know, they you know were in these. As Jeff knows, Jeff was one of the the first users. Uh, he, he was you know yeah. one of the guinea pigs in the early days. But you know, just this stuff <laughs> with no with no label in a in a nondescript bottle. But. Uh, yeah. I guess I didn't really realize how popular it would be because I, I'd never sold it to anyone. I just gave it to my players, but then it really kind of took off with guys from a variety of different teams. And then within you know a very yeah. short period of time, we had teams ordering, and it kind of really took off from there organically. You know, I, I remember specifically, Matty, uh, the first time I saw uh, bio, what, what turned into BioSteel. 
uh, I was working Leap's Lunch with Bill Waters. We were doing an interview with Nick Antropoff, and he was and you were standing off to the side. I can't remember who you're talking to. And he was drinking. It was a, it was a, a, like a Gatorade bottle. But it was full of this pink stuff that I'd never seen before. And I asked you afterwards, and you said, yeah, this is the thing that I'm working on. And this is in the era where I thought I was going to do triathlons uh, for 15 years. I've since then tempered my expectations of who I am as an athlete. Um, but you, you gave me this stuff. I said, you know what? Next time you do, like, you know, your big, like, you, like Sunday mornings, I do my big long runs. You know, try this recovery afterwards. And so I tried it a couple times. And... It was like magical. It was like no pain. It was like didn't need a massage, like nothing, right? It was it was fantastic. I remember calling you up and I said, Maddie, is this the same stuff that you're giving the Leafs players? And you're like, yeah. And I said, dude, and none of them are going to piss hot because I didn't believe for a second <laughs> that, that, that this stuff was clean. I'm like, Maddie, what are, you, what are you doing? There's no way. Now, how much from what was uh, what turned into BioSteel then, and that would have been, God, 2000 and would have been Three, Maddie, maybe. Yep, yep, well, right. From from then, yep. how different is what BioSteel was then to what it is now? Well, you know, we you know we're constantly tweaking and improving the formula. And even before before the version that I gave you, I made a one initial uh, batch that uh, it was. It, it, I mean, it's still a great formula, but it tasted so awful that only two guys would drink it, and one <laughs> of them one of them came off after the first and threatened my life because he thought he was going <laughs> to get sick on the bench. So that was the end of that uh, version. I was, yeah, we're, so we're constantly tweaking and changing, but now we've, you know, for the last uh, six years, we've kind of had it locked into a formula that works, and it's not, you know, we've, we've now got, you know, double-blind, peer-reviewed, uh, you know, published research showing that it's not, you know, this isn't, there's no placebo effect. This is the real deal, and it's not just my opinion. This is, you know, this is the stuff that works. So it's, it's, it's cool to see how far, it, I mean, the nuts and bolts of the product are the same as they were the day that you tried it for the first time, but, you know, there's been little tweaks along the way for sure. You know, Merrick mentioned pissing hot, which actually I did last weekend when I tried the Taco Bell ghost chili burrito. <laughs> um, different, different vibe altogether, different, Greg. Yeah, different, different vibe altogether. Thing. Different thing. But, yeah, different but thing. that was part of the motivation, right? Like like the Absolutely. idea that, that, that a, lot, a lot of these dudes in the league, you know, they're, they're obviously going to do whatever they can to get whatever advantage they can, and a lot of them don't even know what the hell is in, they're putting in their bodies with these, some of these supplements. And part of the motivation for you was to try to create something clean, something – some that wasn't going to get him in trouble, yeah. 100%. That's, I mean, I think at the time that there was sort of the, the theory was that, well, now there's so many problems with drugs and sport and tainted supplements and whatnot, so we're just going to tell people not to use anything. Well, that's, you know, that's not a very effective strategy. Uh, you know, to, oh, I went to Catholic school, so, I mean, that, they, have, they have some philosophies about how you, you, you avoid certain behaviors and that don't seem to work so well with teenagers. Or it's like telling, you know, water is yep. dangerous, so just tell kids not to go in the water. Well, it, you, maybe you should teach them how to swim, you know, so... <laughs> My idea was that okay, it, why don't we? Why don't we? You know, I, I have the knowledge, and we have the access to the resources to do this. Why don't we provide them with safe and safe and healthy alternatives to the other stuff that, that you know? Instead of just criticizing what they're doing, give them an alternative. Give them a safe and healthy alternative that's going to give them a performance enhancing benefit, but be healthy and safe at the same time. So that's kind of what we created. Uh, Maddie, before you came on, we, we were talking a little bit about Daniel Briere, and, and I can remember, uh, and he's told this story countless times, I'm sure, talking to him once about. Um, strength that he loses throughout the season. And he said, look it, well, when I start the year, I'm using a 110 flex, and by the end of the year, I'm using an 80 flex. Like That's how much strength I lose from the beginning of the season to the end. When you get an athlete, when you get a hockey player whose season is done, when should they start working out to gain back that strength, or when, or, or, or should they just you know, sort of heal up from the season and then start working out again? Well, every, you know, as, as you know, Jeff, everybody's different, uh, and there's there's different rules that apply to, to young guys and old guys, and I think that, you know, as, as players 
get on in the game. There's no reason why they can't train just as hard as they did when they were young. They just can't train as hard as often. So, you know, I, I usually give my, my older players, and I've got guys in the, you know, I've got guys in the gym here who've got 17 years in the league, and I've got guys who are, who are coming into their first year. So there's a pretty wide range. So, you know, guys that have been in the league a little longer, I give them a little more rest time. And then those guys are guys that also, you know, generally need time with their, with their families as well. So that kind of works out great on both accounts. But, uh, I usually recommend that every player needs to take some time, and, and probably the most important thing they need to do after the season is get back into healthy lifestyle habits like sleeping, an appropriate number of hours, sleeping on time, eating a healthy diet, staying hydrated, all, all that good stuff that has nothing to do with hockey, but has a lot to do with being a healthy human being. Uh, so that's the, that's the most important thing. So uh, we get back on that right away. And then uh, just, just one second. Sorry, sorry. Okay. And... Uh, then I'd say, secondly, we got to get back into training, but we, we ease back into it. So the first few weeks of the summer, uh, it, we're, it's not. I mean, there's guys that don't even touch a dumbbell or a barbell for you know the better part of the first month of the summer, just getting their body working right again. We you know we it's probably an overused term, but we, we, we start from the inside out. We train from the you know from the from the core out, and we and we work on developing good postural habits and things like that. So a lot of times people are a little disappointed. I think they, when they they come here, they want to see guys. You know, smashing ropes and smashing balls and sprinting and jumping and then lifting super heavy weights and we do we do all that cool stuff too. But that that comes uh, that comes uh, at a specific time and place in the summer. Is is overtraining a problem in the league today? I mean, like I remember when when DiPietro was going through all of his injury stuff. A lot of people said, "Well, look at him. I mean, he's he's clearly yeah. a guy who's who's putting too much time in the gym. Uh, you know, flexibility should be the thing, not not muscle mass or whatever." Are, is is there a problem in, in the league right now with guys that overtrain? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not, it's not, you know, that's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the example you used is a good one. And it, it's not so much overtraining, it's wrong training. You know, I, I, you know, doing the right training, it, it's pretty tough to overtrain because, you know, proper training incorporates rest periods and incorporates, you know, heavier and lighter phases of training and, and different styles of training and proper technique and things like that. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's certainly guys that overtrain and that's, it's not, that's not, you know, specific to hockey that comes with any sport. And I think the, the hard part, you know, for, for me as a coach, you know, is that generally those guys are the guys they have their heart in the right place. They're 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 trying to work hard. They're trying to be better. They're trying to earn their paycheck. They 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 want to be the best they can be, and they want to work as hard as they can. So I mean, it's it's just a matter of teaching those those athletes to channel that same energy and enthusiasm, which which is, you know, it's well intentioned, into something a little bit more productive. So I try to encourage guys at the start of the summer to put as much effort into getting their sleep patterns back as they do into their bench press. Put as much effort into eating healthy as you do into your, your squats or your sprints or your, your, your bag skate or your plyos, whatever the case may be. So uh, it, is, it is a problem, and I think that uh, guys really, really underestimate, and, and even you know, the general public, like you, you know, Greg and Jeff, you guys understand it, and I understand it because I've, I've lived that life even though I wasn't playing. I was traveling with the team. It's a grind, you know, like, like flying around from city to city, as glamorous as some of it may sound, you know, you're, you're getting in. You're getting in at you know one, two in the morning, and you got to be back up. Uh, you know, at the rink, uh, skating hard the next morning by by nine or ten in the morning. It's it's not it's not as glamorous sometimes as people think it is. So, I think sometimes they underestimate how important uh, health and, and 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 you know sleep and nutrition, and all that that kind of not so sexy stuff is to is to their performance. Maddie, where are you at with working out at night? Most guys, I mean, at least the the, the hockey players that I work out with at, at my gym, want to get their workouts in early in the morning, get done by ten o'clock, and and have the whole day set up in front of them. But th- there is a there is a, a philosophy out there that says, well, if they're exerting most of their energy and being athletes 
at night when they play hockey between 7 and 9.30 or 7 and 10 o'clock, does it not make sense then for them to work out in the evening to train their body to peak athletically when they need to uh, as opposed to working out early in the morning? That is a fantastic question. That's a, that's a, that's a really, really great question. And you know what? There's, there's definitely two schools of thought on that. And, uh, you know, you could, you could say, yeah, it's absolutely, it's more specific, um, you know, and, and you'd be right. You know, you, you'd be tough to argue against that. However, there, there's, there's a downside to that, too, obviously. I mean, it's not healthy. Uh, you know, at 7 or 8 at night, your body naturally uh, mm-hmm. is designed to be winding down and getting ready for sleep, getting ready to, to you know, for restorative sleep and, and relaxation. And instead, whether you're a beer leaguer or an NHL player, you're ramping your body up to, you know, to perform at that time. And even if you're not, you know, drinking caffeinated beverages or taking any kind of stimulants, you know, you're just the excitement of playing hockey is, is going to ramp up your nervous system. It's going to ramp your brain up and, and it's not, it's not great for sleep. So I guess, you know, even though it may be more specific uh, to your sport to train at nighttime, I think, you know, the flip side of that coin is that it's, it's detrimental to your sleep. So whenever they have the opportunity to get on a regular schedule and sleep, I encourage them to do that. Uh, last one for me, sir. Uh, we've, we've talked a lot on this show in the last year about the progress in technology from the National Hockey League, stuff that we're all looking down the pike at, things like player tracking, things like putting chips on players, that whole bit. Does any of that translate to training? What, what can you do, let's say, with player tracking data, if, if, uh, depending on what they come back with? Yeah, again, a great question. So, um, I mean, it's no different. You know what, there's as much... The, the issue of analytics in sports, is, it, it's a, as hotly debated in my community, the strength and conditioning world, as it is in the actual coaching and management world. Just, we're just not that cool and nobody really cares. We think about a whole lot of stuff, so it doesn't get as much press. But, <laughs> but you know what? The, it, again, it's, w- analytics are great, whether, whether you're talking about you know, an, an, analytics as they pertain to the game that's being played in the ice or as they pertain to the training. They're great. And I don't know why you wouldn't want, want data. I don't know why you wouldn't want information. I don't know why you wouldn't want to know that stuff. But we got to be a little bit careful because at the end of the day, you know, you're not tra- you're not training data, you're not training numbers, you're training people, uh, and, and I think that that one that's one thing that's kind of in this new day and age. That's one thing that sometimes tends to get lost in the shuffle is that it, you know the human element and, and knowing it's great. You know, you can run a you can run a test and, and it'll tell you that a player is fat and out of shape, and that's wonderful to know. But okay, now what? Now how are you going to change that? How are you going to help this player be better? Uh, and it's funny. I was I was uh, I spent some time the other day with uh, our Canada Canada basketball team, all of our you know our top players in the country. And Coach Jay Triano was there. He was a great guy and a friend. And we were there with Steve Nash, and we were talking about what makes great players great. And, and they're doing Canada basketball does an unbelievable job with, with analytics, and they're 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 me- they've got GPSs on all these guys, and they're measuring their sweat, they're measuring their lactate, they're measuring their heart rates, their sleep, everything. They're doing a fantastic job. But we also said you know that the, like he was talking to, to Steve and saying you know what was great about Steve. It was it was the competitive factors. So you know what, there, there were lots of guys that were bigger, taller, you know, faster, better reaction time, better bench press, chin up, whatever the case may be. Wingate, you can study anything you want, but the thing that made him great was that desire to be better in the competitive you know element that he had. It didn't matter what you were doing, one on one in the backyard. He wanted to beat you every single time. He was fighting for every point scrapping all the time, and, and that's one thing that I think is kind of cool about the camp. We have your biostill camp this week. You know, there's lots of guys that, that train all over the world with great trainers, and, and the stuff they do is fantastic. And we're not, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel when it comes to training. But what I have created in my gym is a really, really competitive environment where 
we get some of the top players in the world to come in. They push each other to be better. They encourage each other, but they compete against each other and they make each other better. And we're not, you know, we keep it pretty basic. It's a little bit old school here, but we, we, we do a good job with the, with creating that championship competitive environment. Follow Matty on Twitter, at M underscore Nickel on Twitter. Last one here. I think it was Tyler Sagan's team that won it all last year. True or false? And uh, if so, can he repeat? True. Uh, true. That is true. Um I'll note that team was also coached by uh, yours truly, and I'm six and zero. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and it's hang on, hang on. When you coach that team, though, you just have to open and close the gate, Maddie. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I don't even do a great job of that. I get so caught. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so excited about watching the game, and I don't know the first thing about coaching to begin with. So I'm stuck back there. I'm a I'm a super fan behind the bench. But uh, yeah, they're they're the defending champs, but uh, they're going to be in tough. There's uh, you know, team Team Simmons came with a lot of grit. They've got uh, probably about. 5,000 Tims on that team collectively, so they're going to be they're going to be tough <laughs> to battle against. And Team Camilleri's got some, you know, they've got a couple of first overall picks there, so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a heck of a tournament, that's for sure. Should be fun, Maddie. As always, thanks so much for uh, for spending time with us in a very busy week for yourself and, and BioSteel. We appreciate it. Thanks have a, a lot, have a great season coming up, pal. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. See you guys. Matt Nickel, uh, follow him on Twitter at m underscore nickel strength and conditioning coach, formerly of the Maple Leafs, and he is the guru of BioSteel. Now that's available here, wish like country, uh, you know, coast to coast, pretty much everywhere mm-hmm. you go, you can get. Bio- How much penetration does it have in the United States? I mean, you see it on benches and stuff, and the guys all have it in the dressing room, but you see it much any elsewhere? Hey, can you could you go out like right now and go and get like a BioSteel recovery drink? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you I'm ask you a real serious question here for a second. What's up? <laughs> how how much time do you think I spend in the GNC? How much time do you okay. think I'm spending in these places? Well, maybe <laughs> if you like you know need to go, you're in the you're in the mall and you want to know where the washrooms are or where the food court is, you'll stumble in and ask a really buff dude. <laughs> 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 where the where the you know where the Middle Eastern food is because you're feeling Cause me, exotic put, that afternoon. Well, let me put it this way, man. I ain't going nowhere where uh, I need to uh, eat, drink a powder to make weight. Okay? I can make weight okay. <laughs> I'm, making, <laughs> I'm making weight every day. Oh, jeez. I thought you were back on the uh, the road to healthydom, you know, outside of, you know, oh, 2 no, no, no. I, health I, fetishes. I've dropped, I I thought I've dropped like, some pounds. I've dropped some pounds recently. Thought. You know? No, I've been I'm, – I'm a healthy boy. I went for a run the other day with Ruby. It was uh, taxing. Nice. Um, now, where, now, when you, when when you run, where do you go? Because if I, uh, I mean, how far away are, are you from Central Park? Because whenever I'm in New York City, I, I always love doing that run. I'm a I'm a subway right away, so we actually uh, run by the river, by the Hudson. Nice, very nice. And uh, it looks very much like the training montages from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for those who know what that is, um, no, and and then I like I, I you know I slap on some. You know, it's interesting, like, you seem like you're a music guy when you run, right? Totally not true. Not even close. Really? I listen to podcasts. Interesting. Yeah. So do I. Yep. A lot of people can't, though. I listen to podcasts. can't. It's funny, you know, I was talking, to, uh, who was I talking to the other day who says, like, I can't believe, oh, um, uh, my friend Tara Handela, who works at, uh, at Apple. She's like, because she and she, her and I are, are, are both runners, and, and I mean, she's actually, she works out with the Gary Roberts crew now. And she's like, yeah, I can't, I can't, if I have my iPod on, I'm listening to music. I, I don't know how you can do it. I've talked to a few other people that, that can't run and listen to podcasts. And oh, to me, it's sort of the most natural thing in the world. I, I can't, I, well, I can't really, it's uh, the rare occasion that I'll listen to music, really rare. Some people need music because it helps them keep the beat, it helps them kind of, you know, 
keep their rhythm going. For me, it's like. But songs are. I but mean, hang on, songs are always songs are always changing. Like they're always changing tempo. Well, that's why you put together a mix that all have the same kind of tempo. But for me, it's like I hate working out, so I just want to be somewhere else. I need I, if I can transport my headspace into someplace else and forget the fact yeah. that I I hate this thing that I'm doing. Then, uh, yeah, then that's that's why I listen to podcasts. I love it. I do. I, st- I lo- still do. You love I, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm still waiting for the day that I don't. It's funny because the, the the kids at the gym are like, oh man, if I a lot of them, I shouldn't say a lot of them. Some of them are like, oh man, if I didn't have to do this because you know they're working out because they play hockey and so they they have to do this every day. Like man, when it's all done, I am never going back in the gym again. And I can't imagine that. Now, mind you, I'm looking back at it, you know, with 40-year-old eyes, but I'm saying to myself, man, if I was skilled enough and lucky enough to ever play in the NHL, I think I'd be cl- closer to Rod Brindamore than anybody else. I think I'd just be that guy that lived in the gym. Like, hang on a second. You're going to pay me to play this game, and part of this mm-hmm. is I get to lead a really healthy lifestyle, and I get paid to work out. I'd be like, okay, honey, off to the office, and then I go and do, you know, squats for half an hour? Mm, yeah. That's pretty cool. I'll take that. I thought I thought you meant that you'd have a beak like a toucan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! I get to go and do you know vinyasa flow yoga every day and do restorative. Oh, it's great. Yeah, so listen, going to work. Listen, um, I I think the the working out the healthy thing is a very uh, uh, a very sort of environmental thing for me. If my okay. parents, I mean, I played sports growing up, but it was very recreational. But I know, like, the only sport that I took seriously was baseball, and that ain't exactly the most aerobic of sports. Uh, uh, in case you haven't noticed, uh, look at the waistline of some of our best pitchers. Okay. So, like, you know, if if my parents had me playing more arduous sports growing up, I think I probably would be in a different mindset when it comes to working out problem being is that they allowed me to just play wiffle ball with my friends and do touch <laughs> football and street hockey occasionally and yeah. then play you know nintendo the rest of the time so working out was never a part of my childhood being blaming being active in blaming that way your, was never a part of my childhood blaming your parents is what you're doing it's your parents well, fault i mean i blame them for everything else well, i might as well just pile it on right this is just right. sprinkles in the sunday at this point Okay, this so, is a great. This is this is a great tweet that I do want to share with people from our buddy Patrick. You can't work out to confused bumblebees. You'd trip and drop weights. Go straight to four four time music. Okay, you know what that's a reference to? I was listening, sitting around with my wife three weeks ago, listening to Frank Zappa, old Frank Zappa uh, concerts. We love Zappa. Mm-hmm. It's um challenging music to listen to. It is okay. It's it's very challenging. <laughs> like when different instruments are playing in different time signatures it is not for everybody i get that so we're sitting there having dinner and i've got this on and claire turns to me and says this is a great line i bet if that would have liked the line too she says this sounds like a confused bumblebee with a trumpet I'm like holy <laughs> shit that's exactly what frank zappa music sounds like <laughs> that to me was the line of the summer sounds like a confused bumblebee with a trumpet it's thanks for reminding me patrick yeah, very descriptive good. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, enough of the healthy portion. Oh yeah. Of the show. Yeah. So uh, Danny Breer. What, what's what, what, No. Let's get, to the, let's get to the commerce portion of the show, all which right. is yesterday's big news uh, that Adidas <gasps> is taking over. Oh no. Taking over from Reebok. 
No, Sky's which, falling. Chicken which Little Hono. Which it owns, by the way. Uh, taking over from Reebok, and uh, we'll be making the NHL uh, uniform kits beginning in uh, 2017-18. TSN erroneously reported it was going to be 16-17. Uh, I corrected the record, and then they corrected the record uh, without mentioning who made that ah, record. You know. Look at you, Scoops Magoo. Look at you. Well, I mean, Rick... Look at Rick, you, scooping Rick, ice cream. Rick West had had the story before I did. I mean, I had the story, but I couldn't I couldn't write it yet. But he reported it, um, but he had the, the date wrong. It's all right, though. He's a great reporter. Um, he is. This is, uh, this is a really interesting story on several fronts. Uh, first and foremost, it, it seems like everyone has jumped uh, 10 spaces ahead to the advertising on Jersey portions of the panic. Let's let's begin with the first level of panic, and and I and I say this as someone who has the utmost confidence that the NHL is going to be a a gatekeeper for its its uniforms and for its equipment, and is not going to let anybody completely screw it up. That said, if you've seen the gear that Adidas has made for <laughs> NCAA yep. basketball teams. Yeah, and yeah, NCAA yeah. football teams, I am scared shitless about what they're <laughs> going to do to hockey jerseys. The the you know I, I didn't realize this until I had to write the story the, the the other day about this Adidas thing. Like all of these these basketball uniforms, the NCAA, where like they're wearing these shorts, where it literally looks like a child ate a box of crayons and then vomited on pants. Okay, that's what they look like to me. I didn't realize that Adidas was the one who had done these things. They're terrible. They make they make my eyes hurt. I think they could blow out your television screen with mm-hmm. how egregiously terrible they look and overcolored and, and horrible. Um, uh, they look like an eight bit version of camouflage. So it makes me a little bit nervous about what they might end up doing to hockey jerseys. But again, like I've. There, the sanctity of the sweater has always been a thing for this league, and even when we get to the point of advertising on jerseys, I still think it will be. But I do agree with the people that have seen Adidas's track record in the last couple of years, um, and, and know that their market share has decreased because of some of the heinous things they've created, mm-hmm. um, and are a little bit kind of on the fence about this this uh, this deal that the NHL has cut. Uh, it's one of those situations where you can't, you know, jump off the three meter springboard. You have to dip your toe in the shallow end. I think if you're Adidas, I think that's what you're getting at. If you're going to go down that road, it has to be really subtle and really small. I don't think you just jump in and do like, you know, 15 meter cannonball on this one. I think we all know that we're going that direction. I think we know that it's happening. I think we know that one day there will be advertisements on jerseys. It makes sense financially for the NHL. It makes sense financially for the NHL Players Association since their salaries are directly related to hockey-related revenue. We know we're going that direction. I think the best thing everybody can do right now is say to yourself, as we think about those old monster movies from the 1950s, resistance is futile. (laughs) It's going that way. That battle is already lost. The the fight hasn't even begun. And the battle's already over. It's going that way. Right. We all know it. The only way the only way whether it's a, the only way Adidas can, I think smartly can do it is to do it really subtly. The problem is when you look at Adidas branding, it's not that subtle. Like it's not that subtle as sneak on three stripes. 
right? To, mm-hmm. to slip on like three stripes down the sleeve. Nike could do it. Quick little swoosh in the corner, right? It doesn't look that intrusive. That's going to be the challenge. How do you brand it Adidas subtly, knowing that Adidas branding is anything but? Am I on base or off base on that one? You're, you know, you're on base, I think. But uh, at the, at the, yeah, and, and I think the advertising on jerseys thing is going to be the the real interesting thing as far as like people have been scared that NHL jerseys are going to look like NASCAR jumpers or they're going to look like European hockey jerseys. Eventually, like, maybe straight away. Even- but they, they won't. Eventually, they won't maybe. eventually. They, I mean, they won't. They won't. They mm-hmm. won't straight away though. It'll take years no. and years and years for that to happen. Years and years and yeah. years. That's um, right. I think people also forget that when Nike, when, when Reebok took over, they 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 screwed up the jerseys. I mean, like, do you guys <laughs> do you guys forget the piping, the, the terrible, awful ugh, piping yeah. on all those jerseys that had to, that eventually had to go? Do you remember when Nike made a thing? That was going to be water resistant, and then all it did was retain water. <laughs> Remember when that happened too? Hey, like, dude, I grew, uh, dude, 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 dude. I grew up in uh, in the era of Micron skates and Cooperalls. So don't mm-hmm. tell me about how some innovations have completely killed uh, hockey, both practically and aesthetically as well. A lot of people have been wondering why Adidas did this deal, and I've asked around, and I can't get a good answer as far as why they decided to kind of usurp their own brand in Reebok to take this one over. Here's what I've been able to piece together. So they gave up the NBA contract, which Nike uh, took over for uh, about a billion dollars, okay? And they they gave it up, one, because the rights fee was was that high. It's ridiculously high. But also because they decided to go with a different strategy. The, the, The notion being that Adidas isn't going to be able to overcome the Nike and Under Armour juggernauts as far as their uh, their sales overall. So why don't we just target uh, specific athletes and star athletes and maybe maybe use their star power to, to push our brand? That's the, kind of the new strategy. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, you have to – if you're going to be a major player, you've got to be able to be – you know, have your logos uh, covering one of these uh, professional sports leagues. And I think the NHL obviously is the most aff- affordable alternative – um, they already had it in with them with the with the Reebok deal, so I think they wanted to continue to have uh, saturation with the logo in a sports league that plays from right. October to June, and uh, and the NHL was obviously the the best uh, uh, bargain. Part of that is the fact that there is going to be the opportunity for additional revenue generated by ads on jerseys, and the thing that the NHL has that may Baseball's got it too, I guess, but maybe to a lesser degree, or maybe around the same point, is that the NHL has like a billion different jerseys. Like True. every team's every team outside of like the ones that are holdouts, like the Devils and the Habs, have three different jerseys. Uh, you know, Winter Classic jerseys, Stadium Series jerseys, World Cup jerseys, which Adidas is likely to get the rights for, Ryder Cup jerseys, which Adidas is likely to get the rights for. All of these different sweaters will all have different ads on them, and that's a lot of money sitting out there for, for someone to uh, invest in the NHL with. Two things I've always said that the NHL does better than any other sports league. One is the draft, and two are jerseys. No sport has a better jersey than hockey. No one. That does, doesn't even come close. So, you know, there is on the one hand, oh, the sanctity of it, you got to keep it clean and all that, but the, you know, the opportunity to have 
<clears throat> to have advertising on it is pretty juicy, Junior, as they would say in Reservoir Dogs. Juicy, Junior, real juicy. <laughs> but no one does it better. Like to me, to me, this underscores like you look at the the dollars involved and what Adidas is going to pay for this thing. It's yeah. because that no one does jerseys better than hockey. Nobody. Right. No one does outfits as good as hockey does. Truth. Here's okay. Here's the thing. If you want to get all sort of sanctimonious and we need to, you know, really keep you know the purity of the game, even though it's advertising all over the boards and on the rink and all that shit, and you know, events are sponsored. Here's the thing you need to wrap your arms around right now. Here's if you want to fight, if you want to fight, you know, the demon of Madison Avenue right now. And you're a hockey fan. Wrap your arms around the Stanley Cup. That's the one thing to Gary Bettman's credit as well that he has always pushed back on because there have been offers made to sponsor the Stanley Cup. And he's always said, nope, not a chance. That is not that one's not for sale. Unlike, you know, you look back at the WHA. I mean, the frickin' Avco Cup. I mean, Avco was, insu- <laughs> was a frickin' insurance company, okay? And I love the WHA, but I know full well that you know the trophy was sponsored by an insurance company. Hey, look, Gordy Howe is lifting the Avco Cup. Um, but that's the, that's the if you if you want the fight because the Jersey fight's already gone. We know it. It's done. It's over. Um, it will happen. Just get you know, just get comfortable with it. Um, if you're looking for an advertising fight, wrap your arms around the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, would make a lot more sense than you know, resisting an ad on a jersey. Because those are coming, regardless of how you, you feel know, about if it. You, if you're going to put Gary Bettman over for protecting the Stanley Cup, you obviously should put the Continental Hockey League over. Because I don't believe that the Gagarin Cup has a title sponsor either. They are, they are respecting, respecting the sanctity of Yuri Gagarin and his contributions as a cosmonaut. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously Very the true. NHL honoring uh, Lord Stanley and his contributions to hockey. <laughs> Even though he never watched the Stanley <laughs> Cup game, <laughs> Lord Stanley of Preston. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Oops, just sort of donated the cup and yo, check me out on Facebook. I'm out of here. Yeah, it's it's an it. Hockey's really funny that way though, right? Like like there is a certain picking and choosing of what we're what we're willing to sell out. You know, oh, we've God, sold yeah. that. The rink is sold out. We've sold out yeah. everything. We've we've sold out the rink to the point where now we have to create special effects to put more <laughs> advertising on the rink. Okay. Yeah. We but we've not sold out the puck. Uh, we've not sold out the helmets. In America, not 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 in the NHL. No, you're right. You're right. right. You're right. Right. True. Um, we've not sold out. All of the awards, except for the Marc Messier Leadership Award presented by Bridgestone. Mm-hmm. And you'd expect those awards to be the first domino to fall. I mean, like, there's no absolutely no reason why, like, a home security company shouldn't sponsor the Selkie. <laughs> right? Like, like <laughs> it's, 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 it's very creative, Greg. Continue. Thank you. I see, I see a, new, <laughs> a, new, a new career path being, uh, being forged here as you machete your way through a new career. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm, I'm just saying there's no reason a cardiology center shouldn't sponsor the heart, the heart trophy. trophy. Yeah, yeah very obviously. good. You know okay. that. Yeah, all right. Um, so there's that. So I mean, it, it, like, or, a, like, or a or a cucumber company sponsoring the Vesna. Wait for it. Anybody? Anybody? Why? Is that too hip Why? for the room? Why? The Shakutami the Shakutami cucumber. George Vesna. Oh, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Continue. <laughs> Go ahead. Move on. All, all five Move members on. of the of the Society of Professional Hockey Nerds are just like, oh god, he made the he made the Shakutami joke. The Shakutami, he made the Shakutami joke. <laughs> you love me. You love I me. I do. You love it's me. It's true. Thank you. I do. Um, 
So that would be the next domino you expect to fall. But look, it, it, like you said, it's going to happen. Um, the real intrigue is going to be how they because the first time we're going to see these ads on jerseys, the first inkling we're going to get about how the no before that. no oh World Cup of oh hockey. oh World World Cup of Hockey. I'm sorry, I thought you meant like at the NHL level. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah of so course. They haven't they haven't settled on whether Adidas is going to make these jerseys yet, which is um, a story in and of itself because it you know the NHL is cutting a deal with Adidas to take over all the all the gear. The NHLPA don't really have a say in this. The NHL is running the show. NHLPA's got a say in who does the World Cup jerseys, and wouldn't you know it? There's a <laughs> They haven't settled on somebody yet. Wouldn't you know it that when the NHL and the NHLPA put their heads together and try to figure out who gets what slice of this pie and what goes where and what these yeah. guys are all that, that they can't quite crack the code just over a year out from the tournament happening. Well, they did okay. They did okay in 204, and that was a vicious regime uh, under Bob Goodnow. For the World Cup of Hockey, and they managed somehow. I think it, I mean, both sides were just loading up their war chests for the lockout more than anything else. But they did manage to get it together in 0405, and that was with Bob Good now. I can't imagine things would be harder with Donald Fear. Probably not, but you never know. I, I mean, there's obviously animosity, and obviously the NHL Players Association is going to try to obstruct any way they can and, and, uh, and make life difficult any way they can because they'll never win a labor negotiation with the league. They can't. Um, because they don't have the backbone for it. Um, so th- this, so we're a year out, we don't quite know who's making the jerseys yet, which means that when the NHL and the PA do their dog and pony in Toronto next month, we're not going to have any jersey designs yet, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but they'll figure it out, I'm sure. But the first place we're going to see advertising on jerseys is going to be the uh, World Cup of Hockey, which is just going to be, I mean, listen, if, if you have this fear of some dystopian future in which everything has an, adver- an advertisement on it, that's going to be the World Cup of Hockey. Every okay. goal, every goal will be sponsored in the World Cup of Hockey. <laughs> every offside, every icing. Um, <laughs> correct me. Oh, I know your brain's turning on who's going to sponsor the icings. I this, know. Uh, this hooking penalty is uh, sponsored by Janine's brothel. Of <laughs> uh, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Historians in the audience right now. But the first time I can recall, and I think the first time we ever saw rink board advertising was 1972 Summit Series. And I'm pretty sure it was an underwear company. That was the first. So it wouldn't, because listen, these types of tournaments, wish you're bang on. These are the types of tournaments where things get tried out. Things like, you know, advertising, whether it's on the boards or on the jerseys. This, to me, just sort of continues a theme. I'm almost positive, Wish, it was 72 the first time we saw a rink board. Mm-hmm. Can't remember. might have even been Fruit of the Loom. I don't know, but it was. I'm pretty sure it was an underwear company that, that bought rink boards for the 72 Summit Series. Pretty sure that's the first time we saw it. So this would sort of be the continuation of a theme. So when you do your Puck Daddy piece on it, make sure you reference 72. I will. And underwear. Brief. Briefly. Briefly. Batman. <laughs> oh man, I just I just I just watched an old Twilight Zone episode yesterday with Burgess Meredith in it. What the, the, one, but, the, one the one with the glasses the, in the vault? Yeah, I watched yeah. it last night before bed. I, was, uh, uh, I got uh, all the Twilight Zone episodes uh, on uh, on my on my iPad, 
And so every night I watch a couple before I go to bed, and I watched that one yesterday and thought, man, like we all think of Burgess Meredith as obviously the penguin. That's the most sort of defined role. Although some will say, you know, uh, Mick from Rocky. Mick from Rocky, yeah. But God, that was he was brilliant in that. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? All the time in the world. All the time. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. Anyway, good for you for bringing up Burgess Meredith today. I, Thank you. I I get so excited around whatever holiday it is that the uh, Sci-Fi Network or whoever decides to put on a Twilight Zone marathon because I so always, good. So I always good. take a, a good hard look at the schedule and I see which ones that I want to watch and then I record them on my DVR or PVR for our friends in Canada. And this last time I revisited uh, the Shatner episode, the terror. Oh, uh, oh, twenty thousand feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great one. Is, That's awesome. It's it's un. It's, I I believe that 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 episode is better than the Lithgow segment in the movie they made, which was a remake of that episode. Shatner's so damn good in that episode. It's and, great. And the creature's really creepy, and I think it, it, it's so well Is he creepy? Hang on. Is the creature, because I saw that one the other day again, is the creature creepy or funny? Because the first time I saw him on the wing, both my wife and I started laughing. Oh, because he's wearing like he's wearing <laughs> yeah. like an oversized suit where you can see the zipper. Yeah, yeah but, I know. but the face the face is creepy. It's got like a pig oh, nose know, and yeah. dark circles around its eyes. When it's like yeah. when he, when he opens up the the shade on the on the, the plane window and it's just there, yeah. you're like bah! It was it's a gross. good jump scare. And then the one I always always record is to serve the, man. No, not to serve man. Um, uh, the intruders, the visitor, whatever it is, the one where the 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 little miniature aliens are terrorizing uh um what's her face agnes moorhead was it um inside inside her 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 you know what you want to talk about little tiny aliens terrorizing this lone woman inside of her cabin okay with little laser beams she's trying to kill them with like brooms and stuff and spoiler three two one just giving you guys some space uh, spoiler is that the little tiny aliens are actually uh, american astronauts and she's the alien Great. It's fan freaking tastic. I want to say it's the visitors, but I might be wrong on that. But that's the other one I always record and look look at. The monsters. The monsters are due on Maple Street. Is the other great one that I watched the other day. God, that's a good one. Two things turns on themselves. Okay, go ahead. Two things real quick about pop culture. Jordan Pringle says, "Greg and Jeff, I guess, but more likely, Greg, are you a Game of Thrones fan? It seems like it would be right in your wheelhouse of entertainment, but I haven't heard you mention it on MVSW. I'm I I'm a fan, but like. The problem is, is I've not seen much of any of it. It's here's a shock. Sh- what? Well, I know. Here, here's a shock. I've never seen it, but I have them all recorded. I'm just sitting <laughs> there. I, I have not. I've, I've, it's one of those shows that was like two seasons in before I really realized that it was going to stick around and that it was something that I should watch. So mm-hmm. I've, only, I've only jumped in and watched a few episodes that, that people are really buzzing about because I like to kind of see what people are talking about. Um so I'm not a regular viewer, and I need to get behind it, and I need to catch up with it. But, I mean, I don't know when the hell that's going to happen. Hang um, on, hang on. Brian Palmer nails it. Brian Palmer uh, tweeted the day, Rob Scuderi's icing brought to you by Betty Crocker. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Crocker. Out of boy, Brian. Out of boy. And Ryan Neo wants to know if the movie that I got wrong on Doug Loves Movies, Ethan Hawke's version of Hamlet, um, if I finally watched it this summer. No, I mean, that's PTSD. I ain't ever going to watch that movie. I hate that movie. I thought the answer was Great Expectations, but it ended up being Hamlet, and I got eliminated from the show because of it. So it's, I'm never, I just I don't need to. The thing I'm watching so now— So hang on. You're, you're done with Hamlet because you lost out on a podcast? Ethan Hawke's Hamlet, not Hamlet in general. Like, oh, I'll, okay. watch, I'll watch the Mel Gibson joint, or I'll watch The Lion King. Um, the thing, when, I was at, when I was at university, by the way, I had one of the most pretentious T-shirts you'll ever see. And this oh. gives you a little glimpse into the asshole that I was at university. 
Ready? He said, yeah. in the height of my I'm going to be a prof and walk the groves of academe and all that shit. Had a T-shirt that said, to be or not to be, dot, dot, dot. And on the back it said, that's actually two questions. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes. Thank you. <laughs> what it's, an it's asshole, good eh? to know that It's good to know somebody <laughs> was keeping the T-shirts that work better as bumper stickers uh, business uh, <laughs> thriving. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The thing I'm watching, by the way, is uh, do you remember a movie called Wet Hot American Summer? By the way, uh, no. That What's a, that? Okay, so it had uh, the 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 guys and, and girls that were behind the show, The State, and and Reno 911, uh, made this amazing summer camp movie that had a, just a ton of really really funny people in it, and and so they've now made it into a Netflix short series of like you know seven eight ten episodes. And it's yeah. brilliant. It's a pre- it's you'll love this part. So it's a prequel to this movie that came out over ten years ago, and the gist of it is in the movie that all these people in their late twenties and thirties were supposed to be playing teenagers. Well, now mm-hmm. it's a bunch of people in their forties that are still playing teenagers with absolutely no attempt to mask the fact that they're like the lead actor has a beer belly. But he's playing like a, like a 17-year-old in the movie, in the, in the TV show, rather. And it's great. Like, it's just brilliant. And and, and they've all got, like, sort of, like, pudgy faces and stuff and whatever. Um, it's a re- it's really funny. Like, if you've not seen What Hot American Summer and you have Netflix, you can still oh, get into great. the show without seeing the movie. And it's got amazingly funny people in it, too. Like, uh, like uh, I don't know. Everybody's in it. Just just watch it. Um so that's pop culture for us right there. Uh, Teddy Good. Purcell yeah, should be done. coming up soon, right? Yeah, Dylan's going to give him a call here in a couple of seconds. Yeah, Teddy Purcell, Edmonton Oilers, part of uh, Hockey Night in Stouffville. Get ready, Stouffville. Coming back at you on Thursday. Uh, I'll be hosting the whole thing again. All proceeds go to the Markham Stouffville Hospital. Uh, actually, we just added Max Domi uh, late last week. He'll be playing in it as well. So it's uh, Teddy's going to be playing. Who else? I got the lineup here somewhere. I can go over it with Teddy here in a couple of seconds. But we've done this for a number of years um, to raise money for the Markham Stouffville Hospital and the uh, Markham Stars, the uh, the girls' league playing out of Markham. Uh, who's on? Hey, Bernie Nichols is playing this year. That'll be fun. Derek Roy, Chris Cherney Ooh, from the San Jose Bernie. Sharks, Chris Tanev, I know. Darcy Tucker's there. Who else do we got coming up here? We got Sammy Carrick, Luke Gazdick. Oh, you ever met Luke Gazdick? Wish you ever met Luke Gazdick? Awesome, awesome guy. One of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Uh, Mayday's playing it this year, so Brad's going to be playing. Uh, Tessa Bonham from the women's team is going to be uh, along playing. Jeff Bukaboom uh, will be aboard as well. I know, man. So it should be a lot of fun. So that's uh, Thursday, seven o'clock at uh, Stouffville Arena, and Teddy's going to be playing. And uh, he's going to be dropping by here Did hopefully it? in a couple of seconds. Oh, he's on, actually, he's on the line right now. Let's get right to our oh. guest, Teddy Purcell of the Edmonton Oilers, part of uh, another edition of Hockey Night in Stouffville on Thursday. Teddy, how are you today, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. A pleasure doing to have great, you aboard. Teddy. Now, I, I know we're dragging you away from a workout, uh, and I know Gary Roberts doesn't like that. How did you manage to uh, pry yourself away from the gym and from Gary Roberts? I just had to go in, uh, go in a little early so he wouldn't have to choke me out. So it, uh, it worked out perfect. He got, <laughs> got it, got it over with and it's, had some time yeah. for you guys. It's, so it's best of both worlds. Well, we appreciate, is it, is it ever intimidating? Because, I mean, Gary Roberts is, 
you know, sort of thought of as one of those, you know, legendary uh, fitness gurus. We just talked to Matt Nickel a couple of seconds ago, too, and he's another along that elk, although Gary played the game. Ever intimidating for you to look in the gym and look over there and like, oh, man, Gary Roberts is my, you know, is, is working me out here. I better do exactly what he says. Well, I think he's a guy, you know, for a lot of young hockey players, just how hard he played and, and how much he's respected. He's a guy you can uh, easily look up to. And, and before I got a chance to know him and work with him, I was pretty intimidated. But uh, once you get to know him on a personal level, he's, uh, you know, he is serious, but he likes to have a good time, too, and joke around. And, um, you know, but when it does come time to work, you, you better bring your work boots, which is good. And, and what a lot of us athletes need, we need someone to be pushed. And we still get a kick out of him. You know, he's trying to keep up with us on the track or in the weight room, and he's grunting <laughs> and making all these scary noises. And we're like, man, this guy is just an animal. But, uh, it's been a great summer for myself and a lot of the other guys. He's a, he's a good guy, like I said, to look up to and, and learn from. Obvious follow-up question, though, Teddy. Uh, what do you miss eating most? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I like a nice poutine. I haven't had one of those in forever. And I love <laughs> I used to love drinking pop, like Mountain Dew or Coke. And I haven't I don't remember the last time yeah. I had one of those. So I, I'm trying to stick with the uh, stick with the diet, but... You know, when I get to Edmonton, I, I go in a little bit of a slump. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it happens to everyone. I'm, I'm going to try to get off the wagon and, and uh, chug a couple of pops. Maybe that will get me going. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Edmonton, and, you know, I was on Edmonton Radio yesterday talking about uh, the upcoming season for the Oilers. And when you look at the additions, uh, you know, whether it's bringing in a player like Mark Letestu, Laurie Korpakoski comes in as well. Uh, on the blue line with Andre Sequeira, Eric Griba comes in again, new goaltender in Cam Talbot. And oh, yeah, that, that Connor McDavid guy, I guess, is kind of a big deal. It seems <laughs> as if when you talk to fans and you, and you talk to anyone in Edmonton media, there's like this almost renewed sense uh, of optimism about the Oilers. Does that trickle down to the players? Like, is it excitement? Is it sort of tempered excitement? Where you are as far as the season coming up? Well, I think it's it's a combination of both. Obviously, everyone's excited with the, with the changes that have been made and the new faces that are going to be in the organization. And, and like you guys said, anytime you get you know a guy like Peter Shirley who's won a Stanley Cup and he brings in a good, great coach and Tom McClellan, and you get a chance to draft a player of, of Connor's caliber, it's, it's exciting for everyone. But I think everyone's mature enough and, and sensible enough that you know teams don't change overnight, and you don't get. You don't go from terrible to awesome in you know in a couple of months. So it's going to be still a bit of a slow process, but I, everyone has a lot of high expectations and optimism, and it just goes to show the fans in Edmonton. You know they've stuck with the team the past number of years when it hasn't been going good, and they're just waiting to cheer for anything. And it's uh, you know we want to put on a good show and work hard for them because uh, they deserve it more than anyone. What was your reaction when, when Edmonton got the top pick and was able to draft McDavid in the lottery? Did you just laugh? Did you just start, yeah, just start yeah, cackling? <laughs> you but we did, yeah. You know, we, um, just from watching the, the shows leading up to it, uh, we knew we had, I think it was only 5 or 6% chance, so we didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. We're all just hanging out, and then everyone's phone just started kind of going crazy, and we won it again. We're like, this is just can't happen again, can it? And then it was kind of, you kind of <laughs> joked about it. And then when reality set in, you got really excited because we realized how lucky and fortunate we were to be able to get that. Have you seen him play? Have you ever seen, yeah. have you seen Connor play? Uh, I, have I, you ever seen him play? I haven't seen him play. No, I've just watched, you know, I watched some of his world juniors and obviously everyone in the hockey world yep. has seen his highlights, but uh, he trains with us in this, with Gary too. So just been able to yeah. be around him every day and just to see his work ethic and his commitment and, 
I'm kind of blown away how much he loves the game too. I mean, obviously everyone, you play the game, you love it, but this guy, you can't get him off the ice and he, uh, he's pretty special to watch out there. So I think he's going to be, uh, exciting to, to look and, and watch him play this year. What what's the can, do you have, have you given any thought as to what the dynamic in the room is going to be like? Usually, when someone like Connor gets drafted, it's to a barren wasteland of a team that has nothing going mm-hmm. for it. But yet, the yet Edmonton's got some vets in the room, and they also have this core group of like Taylor Hall and Eberle and Nugent Hopkins and, and and those guys that have kind of come up together as their own sort of you know, uh, leadership group for the future. And now you have this other guy coming in who's like hockey messiah. Have you thought about what the dynamic's going to be next year in the room between all, you know, him coming in and having a leadership group already uh, in place? I think, well, I think it's going to be good. You know, I even like with a guy like Connor, just he's going to push the pace of everything too. He's such a good player. He's almost, you know, it's, it's unfair how good the guy is. And uh, But we got to put him in an environment where, you know, there's not too much pressure on him. And it's good that you kind of, like you said, you have those other core group of guys that, some nights that can take the load off the shoulders and we can all, they can all push each other. And, you know, he's going to raise the level of practice. He's going to depend a lot more. So it's going to be really good for the overall, you know, core of the team. And, and those guys have been around long enough now. They're going into their fifth and sixth seasons where um, they're mature enough that, you know, hey, this guy's coming in. He's going to help everyone around us. So let's all grow together. And I think uh, that's really going to benefit us in the long run. Um, let's go back to the uh, the beginning when you uh, sort of uh, transitioned in the NHL, Teddy. Um, I can recall, specific, I mean, Toronto was hot on your heels coming out of University of Maine. Uh, a lot of teams were. You ended up signing with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, you know, a great goal scorer uh, in, in NCAA. What goes into making that decision? Like when you have, I remember talking to people in the Leafs organization about you early, and they're like, "You got to see this Purcell kid. You got to see this kid play. This kid from Newfoundland. He shoots the lights out." And I'm talking various times. Yeah, I think we're close. Yeah, I think we're going to get him. And he ended up going to the Los Angeles Kings. What goes into making that decision? Like for for players that you know aren't drafted, come out of uh, come out of college in the United States and make the decision to go pro and have a number of teams to choose from. What what sort of factors weigh in on that decision? Well, I think there's a lot, you know. Um, I obviously had to put a lot of faith in, in my agent because I was, like you said, I was undrafted. I never talked to a lot of teams. I wasn't on people's mm-hmm. radar, and it all came a, came uh, around pretty quick. I was 21-year-old freshman, so I was a lot older than most of the, the kids that I was playing against, so I had an advantage there, and I kind of got a chance to grow and develop into my body a little bit. Um, I wasn't aware how anything happened in the NHL, or I didn't know if teams were just trying to get me out of school just because it wasn't much of a gamble for them. So it was a lot of thinking with my agent and my family. But at the end of the day, I said, you know what, I, I've been put myself in a good position that teams have, I want me to, to sign with them. And if it doesn't work out, I could always go back to school and get my education. But I f- figured if I had a bad year in college or I got hurt or, or anything else, uh, you know, maybe that NHL contract wouldn't be there. So I kind of jumped at that. And, and it's just kind of, kind of going where your gut feeling tells you i like you said i, I was close to signing in toronto i had a great visit here i came and watched the raptors game and talked to some old leaf guys and um and then i went to la and did the same thing but i think i think just for a guy like myself uh undrafted I, the only thing i think that steered me away from toronto was all the media and the pressure and i, I didn't know at a young age if i could handle that and just kind of wanted to go to la and, and they uh they weren't in the playoffs at that time and kind of hide under the radar and develop on over there and, and kind of work my way up. And, um, you know, it didn't work out in LA. I was only there for a few years, but I got to give them a lot of credit for developing me and 
turned me in, into a good pro and, and teaching me kind of the ropes of, of how to handle yourself as you go on your, your career. What were you going to study in school? What was your uh, what was your angle? Uh, well, I, I, I was dabbling around on a bunch of things. I started with business, and we got to the economics class, and I wasn't the smartest uh, cat in class, and <laughs> I couldn't I had trouble with that. So I went to communications, and then after I, I was doing that, I uh, I kind of had a feeling that I was going to sign because, like I said, I was talking to a, a few NHL teams, and um, I guess I guess I kind of put that on the back burner and just kind of thought about where I was going to go and what the best fit hockey-wise was going to be for me. I cheated my you know, ass uh, off in, econ- in economics. I, did, I, 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 don't, I don't think I learned. I mean, I tried to do anything. I tried to study. I tried to get extra homework. I tried to get tutored, but uh, I just realized it wasn't in the cards for me. I craned my you neck know, like E.T., the extraterrestrial, to see other people's papers during <laughs> tests. <laughs> yeah, don't blame me there. Hey, what was it like, uh, your experience growing up uh, playing hockey in Newfoundland? I mean, every Newfoundland, I'm, I'm relatively close with uh, with Terry Ryan, who we understand, of course, is a legend um, in right. Newfoundland. But you know, every Newfoundland hockey player that I talk to has you know, sort of a great story, whether it's you know, uh, Dan Cleary, who has a great story, Ryan Close, another great... Talk to us a little bit about growing up and playing hockey in Newfoundland, and who are your heroes? Like, who are your guys? Like, okay, I'm Teddy Prasad growing up playing hockey. Who is my favorite, you know, player from the Rock? Um, well, like as you mentioned, all those guys, I uh, I've got to know them pretty well over the years just from playing. And you know, uh, Danny Cleary was a little bit older than me uh, when I was growing up, so it was pretty cool that he he got drafted and was playing in Chicago when he was 18 and. Obviously, I didn't know Terry at the time, but to be drafted eighth overall by Montreal, that was pretty cool. And uh, mm-hmm. over the course of you know past ten years, I've, I've got to work out with Ryan Clow. Me and him become you know best buddies. So he was one of the guys that I really looked, looked up to because uh, you know he worked hard his whole way up, and everyone said he was too small and then he was too slow and he couldn't play. And he really fought and clawed for what turned out to be a great career for himself. And um, he's well respected throughout the league, and I've never seen a guy, you know, so dedicated off the ice with, with how he trains and how he approaches things. So he was a really good guy to look up to for myself. And um, those guys, a lot of those guys, grew up in, in small towns, you know, across the island, with, you know, I think anywhere from 500 to a couple of thousand people in their community. So those guys' stories are, are pretty awesome themselves. And I grew up right in the city and uh, went went to school there and. and it was just fun growing up in Newfoundland. You know, my parents always made a, a backyard rink for me, and we always had enough snow to, to accommodate that, which wasn't always the most fun at times. But mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 I have to give a lot of credit to my parents, too. You know, it was so expensive just to get off the island. And for us to get exposure and, and to travel and all those teams, they had to spend all their money and all their holidays for work was all, you know, thrown thrown towards me and even my sister you know she wanted to go to disneyland but we couldn't afford it so we had to go to toronto for a hockey tournament and that that was the best we got so they really did a lot and and did everything they could to make sure that i not only had fun but had a lot of uh opportunities and and that's just uh nice to see when you're older that you know you really understand what they did for you to get to where you are today just as a quick follow-up to that not hockey players but broadcasters ever meet bob cole i did yeah bob has become a real good friend of ours he uh we have a golf tournament every year. He uh, he usually comes and MCs it the the night before. So he's uh, he's been awesome to us. And like you said, he's another legend. I remember him ever since I can remember watching hockey when I was five or six at calling games. So it was pretty pretty cool to 
see him around the golf course and get out and hang out with him when we get home in the summertime. All right, last one for me, Teddy, because we know we have to you have to get back to training. Uh, <laughs> what are your what are your what are your thoughts on the dawn of the three on three overtime in the National Hockey League? Ah. I, I think it's awesome. I mean, uh, I know a lot of coaches didn't like the shootout. I, I mean, the shootout's kind of fun, too, but, you know, if you're going to get the – I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when it came down to the Rangers and Philly, like, one of those teams got to the playoffs because of the shootout. You know, that's that's kind of hard to see. So I like the idea of overtime. I think it opens up, too. You'll see a lot more skill. You'll see a lot more opportunities. I remember reading an article, and Corey Schneider said it's going to be pretty hard for goaltenders, but – as a player, you're kind of selfish, not thinking about the goaltenders at that time. So, uh, but I think it's going to it's going to be good. I just hope I, in Edmonton, I don't think I'm going to see a lot of three on three unless the guys stay out for a couple of minutes or get some police who don't have so many good players to throw out there. But uh, I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be different, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how coaches handle the what mentality and, and what kind of players they want out there, how many boards, how many D. And uh, I think it'll be good for the game. There's going to be a lot of good teams like. You know, it'd be fun to see Chicago and Pittsburgh play out three, or Detroit, Tampa, or Edmonton and Vancouver. It's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be good for the game. Teddy, you know what the real answer is? As long as they can't coach it, three on three will be fun. It'll be a lot of fun exactly. to play, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, look forward to seeing you on Thursday for uh, for Hockey Night in Stouffville. Much appreciated, Teddy. Have a good afternoon, pal. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. We'll see you then. There he is, Teddy Purcell of the uh, of the Edmonton Oilers. Hey, you want to hear a hot take? Please. Ben Scrivens has a better season than Cam Talbot. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I uh, you know, when sometimes there's a quarterback who comes in. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Quarterback gets hurt and he puts up amazing numbers because he has all yep. that quarterbacks, receivers and running backs and tight ends. And he's in the same yep. system as that quarterback. And. There's a certain amount of comfort there, and it's almost like you're you don't have the same effectiveness as you do with the starter, but you have enough effectiveness where you can continue to succeed. Yeah, and if you know anything about Ben Scrivens, oh, here comes a guy who's got you know 40 good games with the New York Rangers and their defense in front of him, and he's coming in here to take my job. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I think Ben Scrivens is the kind of player that's going to hand that to Cam Talbot. No disrespect oh, to Cam Jenny- Talbot at all. You mean you mean Jenny Scrivens' husband? His name is Ben, Greg. His name <laughs> no. is Ben. Hey, no, listen. In all seriousness, like I, I'm, to- I totally sympathize with that with that whole thing that blew up the other day. I, I don't. Myrtle got I don't. Most of it. Myrtle oh, I got totally blasted, do. and you, and you, and and you know, no, you know what? How come no one bothered, as everyone was just sort of you know feigning outrage about it? How come no one bothered to ask Jenny about it if she was offended? Or were, you, or were you just being offended on her behalf instead? Like, get lost. Well, being, I'm sorry. Why don't you ask her if offend- she's offended? No, being offended on her behalf is fine in this case because, like, listen, my tipping point on this came when uh, – uh, you see, I can't even remember her name because they didn't even publish it. But when um, – and this is going to be so, completely usurped my point. But when, when Mick Jagger's girlfriend died and then she was identified in headlines as Mick Jagger's girlfriend mm-hmm. rather than – them publishing her it name. It depends on the audience that you're writing for. You know how many headlines I saw last week of Kathy Lee Gifford's husband died? You s- mm, really? Yeah, tons. Frank oh, was- Kathy Lee. Ka- Ka- I know he was, but still. And still the headlines. Oh, Kathy Lee Gifford makes triumphant return to television after her husband's death. 
See, I see this all depends on the audience that you're writing for. Well, it's a problem. Listen, it's 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 the culture of outrage set that gets that gets themselves twisted into a knot again. Again, I keep coming back to the same thing. Is anybody gonna ask Jenny? Ask Jenny if she's offended. Don't be offended on people on, on behalf of people. Unless you just live to be offended and find, try to go actively try to find things to be offended by, go ask Jenny. If, and you know what? And the next morning, what did Jenny Scrivens tweet? Hey guys, calm down. I'm not offended. Merle's a big supporter of ours. He's done a lot of good for us. Let's everyone calm down. Good for her. All I'm saying is that when Lorraine Scott and I'm th- I apologize for not remembering her name to begin with, when when she died. Would it would it have been so egregiously hard for the media to go, Lorenz Scott, comma, yeah. girlfriend of Mick Jagger, comma, dies, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just, the idea that there should just be the only reference be, you know, wife of Ben Scrivens signs NWHL contract, is, I don't, that doesn't fly with me. Like, she's nah, a person. And like and like you you can identify you can identify her noteworthiness in a different way than simply just conf- identifying her as Ben Scruins' wife as the only as as first reference. That's all I'm saying. And all I'm saying is ask the person who's supposed to be aggrieved if they're offended. <laughs> and the answer in this case was no. Like all through all of it, did, any, did did anyone bother to say why didn't someone ask Jenny? But as has been pointed out by <laughs> by a number of people. I have absolutely no problem with Mike Fisher being referred to as Gar- Carrie Underwood's <laughs> husband. Because honestly. Either that or refer to him by his, his proper name, lottery winner <laughs> Mike Fisher. <laughs> All right. I got to go pick up the little uh, one at, at uh, Yeah, at yeah, camp. yeah. You got to go. And we've given you a good hour and 20 uh Walking dog, two guests, you know, get you through the day, get you that big old commute. A lot of people saying that they look forward to the show getting back on the regular schedule because their commutes are are tougher now without us in their cars, without without us in their ear bones. We're getting there. Don't worry. We're getting there. We're getting back. Hockey's coming. I got my sports forecaster in the mail yesterday, which usually is the indication, uh, courtesy of uh, our good friend Digger Turnbull, that the season is close. Mm -hmm. That's the sort of – do you have those – you must have those demarcation points. Yeah. Like something happens – because to me, it's when the forecaster shows up in the mail. It's like, okay, hockey season's close. No, I'll tell you exactly when it is, and we celebrated today. It's when all those assholes show up at BioSteel Camp, and 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 all of a sudden, <laughs> ev- every other segment on Toronto radio is blah 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 from BioSteel Camp. BioSteel. <laughs> okay, and then we have Maddie Nicolon from BioSteel. So okay. Right. Right. And then and then and then and then a bunch of schmucks show up and start skating at some local rink like the Oilers are doing now. Hey, it's Nell Yuck. Oh look, it's the first time Taylor Hall's on the ice with Connor McDavid. Oh my God. You know, it's just that starts happening, and then uh, you get reports, and all these guys start getting back into town, and then the whole thing starts over again, and it's all very exciting until you realize that, the, you know, it's October to June. <laughs> yeah, but it's been off for a while. And, and, then, and you know. you're like, I, I literally have to wait from October to June to uh, have a free night. <laughs> 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 That's all you can think of? Yeah. June twenty June twenty eighth is usually my first free night and then I have to go and start doing free agent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. Uh, when are we back on again? Are we gonna do Wednesday next week? Um Tuesday might be better next week again if we can. 
Tuesday. Uh, okay. Let yeah, me just again, adjust, I, adjust, I have, adjust uh, myself. The little one for for a couple weeks here, so uh, that's probably be a better time for me. Um, and then the other thing is, so as, as some of you may may or may not know, but I have a, I have a book a book coming out that I'll tell you guys a lot more about in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Called take take your eye off the puck. It's uh, through Triumph Books. It's gonna be it's really good. I'm I'm proud of it. And are we so, gonna talk about Are we gonna talk about the thing that we're hoping to do? Yeah. So hopefully, uh, keep your, your eyes and ears open. That hopefully um, we're going to do another live podcast in Toronto. Uh, hopefully October is where we're looking. Cool. And, and we'll do it uh, via our, our our new buddies at, at Tall Boys, uh, yeah. who who have also put together that thing you're doing, right? The hockey summit thing. Uh, yeah, Puck Talks. Uh, Chris Johnston, Bob McKenzie, going to be on the panel with you. A bunch of people coming in. Eh? Our good friend Karen Douglas is coming in. Our, uh, there are rumors that the chief tie officer from NHL Ties may be coming Ooh. as well. And may even, may even spend some time here up at the ranch, nice. believe it or not, Greg. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, so, so we'll do another up on live that. one. We'll probably do it in the in the bigger venue because we had such demand for tickets last time we did it. Oh, and, we're very popular. Uh, oh, God so, willing, we're, we're this so time, we're so worth it. God willing, this time we won't do another game show Friday type thing uh, like we did last time because that was painful. I, even I'll admit that it nearly killed it. I had to, I had to, I had to put the defibrillators back on the body once again <laughs> uh, to get Merrick back into doing game show. But if, if we have, if we have the the time to plan it, uh, maybe I'll be able to uh, finally live my dream and do a live uh, hockey family feud uh, between two teams, which would be the best thing ever. So this will be October, so a lot of the cats for sports will be in town. So I can see if I can drag some people out. My dream would be to do a Sportsnet versus TSN family feud. How that would be that pretty be? cool. That would oh be pretty God. cool. I know. Yeah. I, I could see the uppers putting the shutdown on that pretty fast, though. I could see that happening really fast, too. Unless, unless I walk into their office and be like, well, I guess, I guess it makes a lot of sense that you wouldn't want your Sportsnet people to show up and get embarrassed by those guys at TSN. Whoa, 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 what? Well, well, I'll have you know that Sportsnet's not embarrassed by anybody. <laughs> That's all I have to do, a little reverse psychology on those guys. Yeah. Uh, the problem may be the other side, too. Don't ah, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Here's what I'll do. Be I'll, fun, I'll, I'll put the rights to Hockey Family Feud up to bid and allow TSN to win them. <laughs> so they'll feel like they accomplished you know what something. You, should, you know what you should do for Hockey Family uh, The ideal Hockey Family Feud is do Hockey Family Feud like Sutters versus Stalls. Oh my God! That's how you do it, homie. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to. Maybe oh, you know what? No. How about this one? Stalls versus Stroms. Uh, oh, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say it should be Sutters versus Stallstroms, because then we'll be able to fill it out, fill out the ranks. Well, you. Even uh, yeah. You got. Well, you've got four stalls. And you've got three Stroms. Matthew drafted by Hamilton in the OHL this year. Mm-hmm. So you got three Stroms, four stalls, and a million Sutters. And a partridge in a pear yeah. tree. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Lots more in the book coming out, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah.